this morning to uh, the book of Ephesians chapter number 6, Ephesians chapter number 6, and as you're turning there, we have a delivery date on our new carpet for our sanctuary, Faith said it was August 7th to the 10th, somewhere around in that time frame, and just so excited to tell you that uh, that's all paid for, that's all paid for, the installation, and what we're reaching out for now, if you uh, saw the envelopes out on the table, uh, that between uh, July's special project offering and August, we're believing for $100, $100 gifts. So that'd be $10,000 to re-cushion uh, with uh, the new colors, the seats we have. And then we want to increase our seating capacity to 250 because we need to. Amen. And uh, because we're, we're growing rapidly excited about that. It's about a $10,000 ticket and it'll just all come in. It'll just all come in. Why would we think it wouldn't? Think about what's all already come in. So Amen. the devil wants to chime up every now and say, well, it's not going to come in this time. I'm like, well, you just, uh, that's a wore out argument. Praise God. Look at what's, I just point around, look what's already come to pass. Amen. We're also moving forward on that playground. Uh, really, really excited about that. Not only for our daycare, but for our church too. Amen. And uh, praise God. Uh, we're getting a great deal on it. Uh, going to save thousands of dollars because Russell said he would, he would put it together for us. <laughs> him and me and about 12 other of you, praise God. And, uh, but we're just excited about it. And uh, I don't want to put any, any of our visitors on the spot. Now I'm going to look straight ahead. But uh, we have some of our uh, daycare families are here in church with us today. Amen. And it was part of the vision is that, that maybe our ministry would at least get to, to reach out like we are getting to today, share the word of God. With some of those fans. So just anyway, just super excited about all that God is doing. And uh, so praise God. Well, let's bow our heads one more time. We'll ask God to get involved with us and then we'll get into the word for a few minutes. Father, we're just so grateful uh, for all that you're doing. Father, we just refuse to be moved by what we see out there. You've called us to live and walk by faith, not by what we see and not by what we feel. Father, I'm just asking you in the next few minutes, just use me. Use me mightily. I'm just going to step aside the natural part of me and I just yield to that gift and to the ability of the Holy Spirit in me to minister. I thank you, Father God, for giving the people revelation. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And I just pray that every person under the sound of my voice today would, would have the right approach. That as we hear the word, we're not hearing it to say, well, went to church today. We could check that off the list. No, the times call for a weightier attitude than that. God, I'm praying that there coming to hear something that will transform their life, something that they will, in fact, act upon and incorporate into their daily life that will make them stronger, better, more blessed, more defended from the attacks of the enemy, and that collectively as a church that just the same, we are more useful, more fruitful in these last days than we've ever been. We just so thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And one more time, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I had it on my heart. Uh, praise God to talk to you. I was at my desk uh, Friday studying and praying, really spent the whole day with the Lord. And uh, he said, I want you to launch out into a study yourself and then feel free to minister on it, which I'm going to today, uh, on the armor of God and on spiritual warfare. Amen. Now, a lot of people will shy away from the subject of spiritual warfare because of what happened in the late 80s and early 90s. People took a message that is real and right uh, out of the Word of God on spiritual warfare, and they took it to an extreme. You know, so much so that there were camps in the body of Christ that were 
getting on airplanes so that they could fly around in the heavenlies and they would put on camos and fatigues and pray in warring tongues against principalities and powers. And that's just excess and error and kind of goofy and wrong, right? But uh, there is such a thing as a, a combat that we have with the forces of darkness Amen. that is real. And I just pray that the Lord will help us to approach this subject in a very biblical and balanced way. Amen that will make us uh, fruitful uh, in, this, in this important subject. So, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, very familiar uh, verses of Scripture uh, to most Christians. Uh, praise God. We'll begin reading in verse number 10 and read down through verse 18. Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong. Come on, can you hear the need for that? Be strong. We need to be strong today. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, put on, Greek says take up, take up the whole armor of God, not a piece or two, but the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So whether or not you or I individually do this, it's implied it's going to determine whether or not you are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That word wiles means the schemes or the strategies or the devices of the enemy. Do you want to be able to stand, to withstand when Satan works a strategy against you? You know, we can't be so holy and live so spiritually mature and accurate that we live immune to the strategies of the devil. Peter told uh, Christians, do not think it strange. But isn't it, that's, that's the go-to thought. How come? Why me? When sickness knocks on the door, when the hot water and the dishwasher and the transmission want to go out in the same month. or what, You know, you want to think, why me, Lord? Well, you know, what did I do wrong? And we need to remember what Peter said to saints. He said, do not think it's strange when a fiery trial comes against your faith. Amen. There is, what is that marine phrase? There is not to ask, you know, why. Anyway, y'all know how it goes if you know what I mean, but praise God. And so, but we just need to get over all the why questions. There's no victory in why questions. The victory is in knowing that it does not matter what comes our way. If we will be doers of the word and walk in the light of the word, we can put down every attack of the enemy, we can make the enemy sorry that he ever decided to look our direction or to launch a strategy against us. Every demonic attack that comes against us as a church, as your family, to you as an individual, those demons ought to leave with their little tails between their legs like whipped puppies, embarrassed that they tried to come against your family, your finances, your health. Come on. Amen. We cannot lose our fight in these last days. Do you have some fight in you? Glory to God. You might as well lay down your arms and throw up the white flag and surrender any army that's just lost its will to fight. Amen. And so that's why Paul starts this final discourse of this wonderful letter to the Ephesians by saying, Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What a statement. We need to remember this. Remember this when you're watching the news. Remember this when you're wanting to take up your place as a Democrat or take up your place as a Republican. You're not to be uh, even an American first or a Republican first or a Democrat first. You are a child of God first, right? You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, you won't find a more patriotic person than me. I promise you that. Hallelujah. But we need to be spiritually minded before we are politically minded. Amen. Amen. Blacks are not fighting against whites. It just looks like that. Our combat as Christians is not with people. You should not be at war with your wife. (laughs) You ought to be walking around saying, same team, same team. The devil will try to pitch you against each other, but we need to be, same team. We're not going to let a house be divided. We need to do everything we can to not let our nation become further divided than it already is. Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But do we wrestle? We do. There is a wrestling. Notice Paul said, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Really, the Greek says in the heavenlies, or the Cody translation would say the spirit realm. This is what believers are not, uh, we haven't taught this like we need to in the body of Christ, that there is another world. And it's not weird or extreme or excessive to point out the reality that there is another realm. There is another world. God, our Father, lives in that realm. Your angels that you brought with you this morning, right, exist in that realm. But there are dark demonic forces that occupy space in that realm. It's not unreal, it's just unseen. So, you know, we're teaching on how to be led by God on, in our midweek services. We really encourage you to take part in that. We kind of got two streams going now of study. Sundays and now Wednesdays. And uh, praise God. And, but we were talking about, you know, I made this statement that one of the marks of a spiritually growing and mature person is they get good at identifying where things are coming from. And all of you, you know, can I maybe get an amen or a show of hands? You've just been walking along, minding your own business, and some unwelcome, unholy, uninvited thought lands on your mind. Well, see, if if you're not in that train of thought, you're not actively thinking, and some uninvited thought from, you know, people won't say from left field, right, out there comes and lands on your mind. Well, it's got to be coming from somewhere. Where's it coming from? It's coming from that unseen but very real realm. And, you know, as we notice, Paul uses this analogy, and they were surrounded by armies and the Roman soldiers and all of this visual, so it was very easy for Paul to pick up this analogy and to use it. But notice, he actually gives you rank and file for how the kingdom of darkness is structured and organized. So, 
he starts from the lowest rank of demonic power and he works his way up to the highest. He lists different entities, right, that we are wrestling against as believers. Notice he says principalities. Then he lists powers. Then he says rulers of the darkness of this world. And what does that do? What does that mean? Well, that, that demonic spirit, that's exactly what they do. They want to dominate. They want to rule over human beings, over cities, over nations. And they will if people don't recognize it. Even Christians can be ruled to a degree. Right? Because and primarily this is about your mind. Because the Holy Spirit is occupying your spirit. But if you are not guarding and defending your mind, then it's going to be the devil's playground. And whoever's got the mind's got the life. You understand that? Whoever's got control or is influencing the vein in the direction of your thoughts is sitting in the driver's seat of the life. This is why that someone can be genuinely in love with Jesus and born again and born of the Spirit of God and yet live life on earth enslaved to sin. Because the enemy knows that as long as he can wield influence and rulership over a person's thinking, he has got them defeated. The only way your life in your experience day by day is really going to be transformed is as you get your mind renewed to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. In uh, 1952, Kenneth E. Hagin had a vision. Jesus appeared to him. You don't have to believe it, but I happen to. And taught him for, I think he said, up to about three hours about uh, demons, evil spirit, the devil, how they work, how they operate, how they gain entrance. Much of that revelation that he received uh, from Jesus is outlined in this book called The Triumphant Church. And we have it in our bookstore. And it's probably Brother Hagin's meatiest book out there. But it's so informative and enlightening. If you don't have this, I encourage you to... Uh, and to get it, and we're going to run out now that I've said that, and we'll just order some more, okay? Amen. And, uh, but I've got mine, mine really, really marked up. And Jesus said to Brother Hagin about this passage, he said these principalities are the lowest of the low demonic spirit. They do very little thinking of their own. They take all their orders from the higher-ups. And then it goes up in rank, and he said the highest uh, type of authority on the earth that believers have to deal with is this class called the rulers of the darkness of this world. He said the spiritual wickedness in high places, he said if you will take your place as a church, as a Christian, and take authority and live in victory over these three lower entities, he said I'll take care of the higher ones. Amen. Hallelujah. But again, Paul goes back and he says he's linking this wrestling and the victory, this victory against these you know, demonic powers that we're having to contend with to our having taken up the whole armor of God. Don't forget that. Okay. So go on in verse 13 with me. It says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, have we arrived at an evil day? We have, and there's an evil day coming. We're in an evil day, and there's an evil day coming. 
And as your pastor, I really believe God is reminding us to, to be dressed for battle every day of your life. That's the title of my message this morning. Are you dressed for battle? Are you thinking about all the pieces of the armor of the believer? And are we putting them on? He says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he outlines this armor in the life of the believer. Having your loins or your waist girt about with truth. Notice that's the first thing he mentions. Reminds me of the first uh, sign that Jesus said when the disciples asked him, what will be the sign of thy coming in the end of the age? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. How could someone deceive a person? Because they don't know the truth like they should. The very first piece of armor that Paul mentions is the very thing that would keep you from being tricked and duped and beguiled by the enemy. I understand that uh, this was just not just a belt, but this was the foundation for all of the other armament of the Roman soldier. It was going to hold up and hold in place many of the other pieces of equipment that the soldier was going to put on. Now this is going to come later. I'm just trying to get this introduced this morning, but... Uh, you know, are you walking in the truth? Are you pursuing the truth? Amen. Are you shutting out to the best of your ability the influences that are going to tell you lies like the media? <laughs> Amen. And you're centering up on the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Thy word is truth. Talking about the Bible. The word of God. Hallelujah. And so take unto you, praise God, Having about your waist truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench, well, 50%. No? Come on, aren't you glad for these words? All. All. I like all. Praise God. My God shall supply. All. I like that. Praise God. Well, with the shield of faith in place, we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, in verse 18, praying always. Now, when he says praying always, he's not changing the subject. Everything he's just said from verse 10 to now is leading up to those two words, praying always. Praying always. So, see, you can have all the armor of God on, but if you don't pray, you're like a soldier that's dressed, but you forgot to go to the battlefield. Hello. Not going to do you any good. Not going to do the kingdom of God any good for you to be dressed in battle array, but never show up to the fight. How do you show up to the fight? Coming to prayer meeting instead of blowing it off. March around your house, you know, uh, dressed in the armor of God. But if you don't uh, pray always, come on, with all kinds or manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto, see, it really won't matter. Amen. So we've got a lot to talk about, don't we? Amen. So from these verses of Scripture, you know, we can see that part of the Christian mentality about what does it mean to be a Christian? What's that mean? 
we practice in a religion, uh, uh, we just come to church and make ourselves feel good. or you know, No, part of the mentality that you and I need to have day by day is a soldier's mentality. You need to develop a soldier's mentality. And we don't have a soldier's mentality if you have to be arm wrestled to be a greeter on time, you know, or whatever. I mean, that's just not a soldier's mentality. Glory to God. You know, a soldier expects engagement with the enemy. A soldier expects to encounter uncomfortable, inconvenient conditions like tents and foxholes and living life outside and amen. Everything that a soldier, praise God, encounters, you and I need to have some of that mindset. Not walking around militant all the time, but we're, we're ready for a fight if the devil wants one. Amen? So you don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says this, Paul told Timothy, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Everyone say, I'm a soldier. I'm enlisted. I'm in the army. Okay. You know, in the army, if you go AWOL, they don't just count you absence. You know, well, we can't. Maryland can't count them present here today, so that's just really bad. No, if you're AWOL, <laughs> that's bad. Amen. A lot of Christians are AWOL out there. They left their post. They, they left their post. You know, their post is unguarded in the body of Christ. The devil wants to strike there. He won't find any opposition. Because that Christian's at Dairy Queen. <laughs> Amen. What are soldiers for? Soldiers are for fighting and winning battles. That's what they're for. You know, the higher-ups and the generals, you know, they're going to calculate D-Day and they're just going to say, okay, we got... Three waves, and how many do we, we you know, we're going to commit these troops, and a certain percentage of them, especially in that first wave, we are sacrificing. But this is just the number of soldiers, the amount of cost, the blood and treasure of our young boys, what it's going to cost to take that sand. And that's just, they go and do that, and they spend that blood and treasure because they deemed the ground necessary to have. Soldiers are meant to fight and win battles. Amen. I don't know if I'm motivating you or discouraging you. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are not just, we, you're not just living life and dealing with challenges. There's a war on. There's a war on. You might not want there to be a war on, but there's a war on. There's a war on for your mind. Do you know that? The devil is going to get up every morning with you and bid high for your mind. Individually speaking, that's where the big battlefield is, is for my mind. Praise God. And it doesn't matter to me that I just wish the devil would leave me alone. He's not going to. Don't ask me to pray that prayer for you. Pastor Chris, really, could you lay hands on me and get the devil to leave me alone for six months? I'm like, if I could do that, I would do that for myself. Like my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne, said, well, we could, we could pray that God kill you and get you out of here to heaven, and then you wouldn't have any more trouble with the devil. But as long as you're going to be down here, you better just ready yourself for the fight. 
And it's a good fight. If we, if we actually engage the enemy, he loses every time. He, he just doesn't have a chance. We have superior weaponry. We do. We have superior weaponry. We have superior armament. We've got a greater resources. We have greater authorities behind us than what those demons have behind Right? And really the reality is Jesus already had the big fight. He already had the big confrontation with the devil. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, he vanquished the devil. He defeated the devil. He paraded him about, Colossians 2.15 says, as a defeated foe. Problem for us is, is that, yeah, he's defeated. Most Christians don't know that. That's one problem. Number two is, he's loose. He's defeated, but he's loose. And you're seated in a victorious place, but most Christians don't know it. And even if they know it, they're too distracted or busy to actually conduct their Christian life from that victorious place right. of authority. Amen? And that's what's got to change, and it's got to change really, really fast. Yes. Amen? Amen? It's like Joel said in uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 1, Sound the alarm in Zion. Blow a trumpet in my holy mountain. Amen. Right? That's what I'm trying to do is to call everyone to arms. Amen. I don't show up to church on Wednesday night in military fatigues. <laughs> I'm just saying we've got to be aware that in that unseen realm I have an adversary. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I don't want you to be that one that he may devour. I want you to be that one, like I said earlier, that he's flat embarrassed that he even tried to look your direction. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, you know, we're just living, we do live a natural life, don't we? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons, see, we have weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're just not natural. But they are mighty. Right? They are mighty. The name of Jesus is mighty. There's not another name out there. That at the mention of that name, that other name has got to bow its knee. The spirit of fear, that's a name. It's got to bow its knee. Spirit of suicide wants to attack your children's mind? Come on, teach him how to resist. Oh, I so wish. We, 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 we wouldn't have lost some of our precious Christian teenagers that we've lost had we taught them. I remember this precious young lady. She got offended for some reason. Something I said, you know, I pet her fur backwards and she left the church. And she'd already lost one child. And uh, tragically, well, years had gone by and I was just minding my own business working out the gym. And there she was. There was this, there was this mother. And I had heard through the grapevine some weeks earlier that uh, her remaining child had hung herself. And uh, so I knew that. And then she saw me and she came over to say hello. And I wouldn't have brought it up. I'm not out to make anybody feel bad. And she said, well, Pastor Chris, I, I don't know if you heard that I... I lost my, my daughter, that she hung herself. I said, well, you know, sweetie, I did. I, I heard that. And uh, this is what was sad about it. She said, you know, Pastor Chris, I could see it coming. It didn't surprise me. I could see it coming. But I didn't know how to help her. Now, you know, as a believer walking in love, it's never right to say, I told you so. Right. It's never right. And I didn't. But I walked away after just trying to encourage her. Uh, just walked away thinking to myself, had you just kept her in the youth group? Had you just kept your kid in the youth group? 
she would have been armed with the knowledge of the devil. That that's not her and it's not her broken mind. That there's a spirit that targeted her mind. I've been there. 17 years old, 18 years old, 19 years old. All of a sudden being bombarded with this unwelcomed, uninvited thought that would come, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. You know, and then it just graduated over to you. You're going to do it for me. You know, it was just, and I didn't know what I know now. I didn't know where it was coming from. But see, we teach our youth around here. That's a spirit. You can't see it, but that's a spirit targeting your mind. And you know anything about who you are in Christ, how God feels about you, you wouldn't entertain a foolish thought like that because you know you're special. Jesus died for you. The Son of God died for you. You're special. Period. That's the only thing that makes you special. Jesus died for you. That says everything that needs to be said about what God thinks about you. And that all that our young people have to do is recognize that and say, Now I recognize you, Satan, you foul spirit of suicide. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. I resist you. You cease and desist in your maneuvers against me. And you may have to do that a few times or five or fifty or a hundred. But he will get the message if you stand your ground and he will leave you alone. But see, she, she, she decided that she wanted to pet hurt feelings. And she took her child away from the place where she could be trained. Right. I'm not mad at her. I feel for her. She's not in church today as far as I know. Amen. You know, when you get recruited or drafted or you volunteer, where's the first place they send you? They're going to give you a little duffel bag and you're going to show up. Where? Basic training. Basic training. We actually have a Bible course, a, a course here that I wrote called Basic Training. Every Sunday morning at 9, you ought to show up for that. We're going to teach you the basic fundamental things that you need to know as a Christian to not become a casualty. Hallelujah. But you're going to show up and they're going to shave your head and they're going to give you a new outfit. And they're going to get in working on you physically. And they're going, to be working, they're going to be breaking you down mentally so that you don't have a I can do anything I want, individual kind of mindset. And they're going to make you part of a unit. See, that's what we talked about when we received new members. They're, they're joined there. They got assigned to their unit. Hallelujah. Come on, glory to God. And show up for duty. Praise God. Y'all getting anything out of this today? Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to show you scripture here. Ephesians chapter 2. Come on, give me a good amen. amen. Hallelujah. See, we're in a war and we have weapons. And the weapons of our warfare, they're not natural. They are spiritual. Now individually, like I said, we have this war going on. And it's primarily against our mind. But that's not the only front this spiritual war is being fought on. There's a war, a spiritual war going on on a political front. On a political front. Beginning in August, I'm going to create two Sunday uh, evening opportunities. And from now to the election, that's all we're going to do for that hour is pray for the nation and for the election. Amen. That's all we're going to do. Hallelujah. Because we have to show up for the fight. Amen. See, we win if we just show up for the fight. 
The church has got, I mean, God has just overloaded and out, caused us to outgun the enemy. It's just pathetic comparing the kingdom of God to the kingdom of darkness. But why does the kingdom of darkness seem to be take, making so much ground? Because the church does lack some things. It lacks discipline and it lacks order. And those are two very unpopular words in the church world. In the seeker-sensitive church, you don't say the word discipline. You don't say the word order. And certainly don't ask me to serve in the nursery. See, this is not the Christian mentality that's going to get her done in the last days. We've got to begin to really see busy, busy, busy as the enemy that it is to our lives. Busy, busy. Too busy to study the Bible. Too busy to uh, come to church. Too busy to serve. Too busy to be planned. Too busy to pray. You're too busy. That's one thing they do when you enlist in the army. You belong to them. There ain't no such thing as, oh, Sarge, man, I'm sorry. I'm sleeping in today. I, I stayed up late last night because I was busy doing something. No, no. They remove you from your life. You have a new life now. Hello. Now, I may come in my fatigues and take, play the role of the sergeant next week. I don't know. But we'll just have Hallelujah. But see, the church, that's what the church lacks. We lack the motivation. We lack the, we lack the discipline and the order. Uh, and the enemy takes advantage of that. There's a lot on the line right now. There's this war being fought on the political front. There's a war being fought in our nation right now on the economic front. There's a war being fought right now on the cultural front. Oh my God, there's a war being fought and being lost right now by the church in the area of the media. You know, if we just get after and pray, you know, we got the authority to get people off the Supreme Court if we really wanted them. If we, the church, really wanted some people off the Supreme Court, we could pray them out if we just decided we were going to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know about that, Pastor Chris, but (laughs) hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Where did I say? Ephesians chapter 2. Verse number one says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Notice, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. See, when you, when you look at what's going on in the world, It's not just about legitimate grievances, and I'm not saying that there aren't some legitimate grievances going on between races and and just different cultural ideas and and all of that. What you're really seeing out there is a lost world under the dominion and sway of demonic power. Do you know that your, think about your sweet, unsaved loved one or co-worker they are children of the devil according to Jesus in the gospel of John loved by God but as long as they're in that state they are citizens of a dark kingdom and every single one of them 
depending on how much they yield to those unseen influences, are being ruled and motivated by demons. You were that way. I was that way too. That's what Paul's referring to. Today, Jesus has quickened us from our trespasses and sins. We're alive unto God now. But think about that day before. We walked, we lived our lives according to the course of this world. According to the dictates of the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's Satan. That's Satan. In, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to write it down. I'm, I'm about to close here. 1 John 5.19. 1 John 5.19 says, uh, in the Amplified, John says, We know positively that we are of God. The whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. This is why it matters who we elect into offices this November. What kind of character do they have? What kind of moral compass do they have? And oh my God, are they actually born again? Now God can use someone who's not born again. In the Old Testament, He used a pagan king called Cyrus to bless the socks off Israel. He wasn't saved. He wasn't a, you couldn't even be saved back then, but he wasn't right towards God. But God called him his anointed because some people do have a little bit of a moral compass and they're sensitive and God influ, can influence them to, to do things in a good way. I don't have time to teach you this morning about the double kingdom. But in the natural governments, cities, nations, they're ruled by natural governments and leaders. But above them, in that unseen but very real world, Daniel chapter 10, Gabriel was trying to get to Daniel, praying about his country. But a prince of Persia opposed Gabriel in the spirit realm for 21 days. That's a spiritual war going on in that unseen realm. Michael had to come and reinforce Gabriel fighting that demonic... Notice it's called the prince of Persia. In other words, it wasn't the prince of Egypt. It was the prince of Persia. That's a demonic spiritual entity in heavenly places wanting to bear rule over a Legit uh, over an earthly kingdom. You know, whoever gets the White House will determine to some degree how much influence is that ruler up there going to have. The more that's got more. So, this is what I look for. This is just what I look for. Uh, someone who's okay with abortion tells me something about what they think morally. So if you got one for life and one not for life, well, who do you think God would prefer to have that office? This stuff's not hard. Who's advocating for perverse lifestyles? Who's wanting to put uh, you know, people on the Supreme Court that will legalize perversion and false lifestyles that God doesn't endorse? And who is opposing that? Don't, don't vote your grandpa's political ideology. Come on, remember, you're a Christian. Don't vote your white skin color. Don't vote your black skin color. God's going to hold you accountable because we are actually putting people in places of authority that sometimes are just wide open for demonic influence. Woo, Glory. John said in 1 John 5, 19, the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. The message translation says they're in the grip of the evil one. The God's Word translation says they are under control of the evil one. 
I don't want a governor, a mayor of Paducah, a McCracken County executive who's under the control of a, of a demonic spirit. And people make dumb decisions because they're union, I'm union, and so that's what I want. And no, 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 think, think spiritual. <laughs> And people do it on both sides. Well, I'm for business, business, business. No, maybe you're just covetous. <laughs> maybe you're just greedy. You know? Praise God. I don't know if I lost some of y'all. So, you know, these, the, every, that's, why we gotta, that's why we have to preach the gospel. It's because when someone accepts Jesus instantly, Colossians tells us they are translated from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's Colossians chapter 1. In an, in an instant, they are no longer under the dominion of Satan and demons. They have been instantly born again, made new, a new creature in Christ, a citizen of the kingdom of light. <laughs> and now they can be free. They can be free. They have to live right. They have to learn some things. But they can live free. And that's how we're going if we, to, if America has any hope, America's hope is not in the Democrats or the Republicans. If America has any hope, it's in our Winning this spiritual war. And that means dressing for battle and showing up for the fight. So I guess we'll just have to call that my conclusion. Can I get you on board in your heart and in your mind that I'm going to make a fresh and a new commitment to live my life as a Christian, dress for battle... I'm okay being inconvenienced. If pastor says, dig a foxhole in the front yard, I'm going to get my shovel out. Hallelujah. <laughs> if at all possible, I'm going to show up to prayer meeting. Because again, every, every engagement with the enemy that we bring our weapons to bear, we win. That's why if America is given over into the hands of its enemies. If we become an atheistic, communist, socialist nation like Venezuela, you know how fast that happened. They elected one wrong leader who took power unto himself. They were a rich country. Venezuela was a rich country. You know, today the average uh, Venezuelan, I understand from a preacher friend of mine, has lost 40 pounds, not because they're all into health, but because they're eating out of dumpsters. The average family of four in America, again, according to my preacher friend, enjoys an income of $106,000 in America. The average family of four in Venezuela is $600 for the whole year. That's what our young people want us to become because they're deceived, they're duped, because our education system is trash. Don't make me get on my high horse. People are wanting that. Mm -mm. And I would rather, I don't know if you could see it, I could see conflict coming in our nation. It's already here. 
And I, I, my son's coming up. He's not draft age yet. But do we really want to fight another bloody civil war in our streets like we did in the 1860s? I'd rather not have to win this fight in arms and conflict. We can win it spiritually. If we just take it serious. We can win this thing spiritually. Have great revival. Amen. Just got to show up and do our part. Amen. Well, that's all I'm going to share with you today. <laughs> Y'all were fun to preach to this morning. You really, really were. I, I love my church. I love you all. Praise God. Visitors, guests, thanks you for coming. And see, this is what this congregation puts up with. Every... <laughs> that's what they, they say they want more of. So anyway, we would love to have all of our visitors uh, back again. Uh, God bless you. Let's pray. Father.